You're listening to Red Center, your guide to digital cinema, filmmaking, and cutting-edge imaging. Tonight, we are going to witness the most anticipated match for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble! So, look, as probably many of you know, there was um, a bit of a... uh, I think I've had more Twitter comments in lead-up to this actual um, recording than almost any other we've had in ages. Uh, People saying they're looking forward to... Uh, Jason trying to justify his outrageous positions on uh, Twitter. But let me just back up and, and welcome you to the show. Back off. We, we are going to be uh, discussing a bunch of stuff this week. Um, the point that I'm referring to is the controversial um, set of circumstances surrounding some remarks made on Red User by the founder of Red, leading to um, a change of communication policy from Red, and also the reaction from around the, uh, the internets. Um, but in addition to that, we'll be discussing a bunch of other good things. And this week we're doing uh, your letters, as it were, your emails and yes. answering questions. So um, uh, I guess we'll, we'll look, let's even put off the gear. Let's put off the news and let's go to the number one item at the top of the agenda, um, which was, uh, so let's say, the embarrassing comment. <laughs> yeah, the fact that uh, I guess, well, look, it started off as a, a comment from Jim saying basically um, – Canon, well, I guess saying, you know, it was grey as to who was saying exactly what, actually. And I think I kind of, I didn't even, the first time I read it, actually, I completely uh, skipped over it and I didn't even realise. And then uh, I think a couple of other people sort of said, oh, I'm so annoyed with what Jim had to say on, on Red News. And I thought, really? Well, I reread it and I went, oh, hang on. Somebody should be embarrassed for line skipping, for using line skipping cameras. Oh, Fuck it! I'm not embarrassed in one bit. I'm I'm uh, um, quite happy to use the right tool for the right job, and uh, you know I just sort of got got. I, I really respect Jim. I think that's probably why I got my back up a bit, you know. But um, I think uh, well, you I have and, absolutely and nothing to be embarrassed you. about. What, does Lafayette have got anything about in, be embarrassed about, or you know anyone who uses and enjoys? Well, this is it, the pivotal. There, there's two points, right? Firstly, I agree that the uh, that the comment whether it was intended at users, which it it wasn't. It was intended at Canon. But whichever way, it upset a lot of filmmakers. And uh, Jim clarified later that he wasn't aimed at... uh, His comment wasn't aimed at filmmakers being embarrassed, but that Canon should be embarrassed that they're uh, considering the 5D as a professional camera. Now, whether or not he should have said that or not, um, I came down heavily on the side of, well, let's leave out whether or not the word embarrassing was the right choice of words. The bottom line is that the Canon 5D is not really a pro video camera and he's quite right and as we've said many times in this program we've dragged it kicking and screaming into that arena yes but the reaction was so severe uh, around the internets that uh, it caused Jim to later publish another comment I guess clarifying his remarks and pointing out that from now on Canon will be uh, not alone in keeping its cards close to its chest in terms of what's coming out because Red will change its policy to not announce and discuss stuff ahead. So I guess my question to you is, are you satisfied now, Wingrove? I mean, <laughs> for the love yes, of Yes, I am. Look, but I mean, what I, think, what, what I think is still an issue is that, look, Canon is, even if they've done it inadvertently, right, they've created exactly the same revolution that Red started, but just a little bit further down 
the scale or down the down market i guess they've brought a huge you know a, a tool to uh, to people who and who, who could previously you know couldn't get imagery like this for for the money and that's exactly what red did but in the high end sort of cine side of things and to the indie filmmakers Canon has done exactly the same thing for even smaller guys or what you know or sort of just wedding shooters and those guys it's created exactly the same revolution the same kind of um, boost to people's imagery you know that, that that red did this is kind of like this is okay this is kind of like apple i suppose going from their heady days of you know we applaud you know the crazy ones and now all of a sudden we're the ones that are, they're the ones that are um, almost like turned into the man and 1984, you know, the 94 ads, 1984 ads all of a sudden seem a little bit sort of hypocritical well a good circular reference to the fact that it, a number of people had cited apple as being what red should be more like and of course that's the, also the reference that jim himself picked up on in saying that they will be more like apple in not giving out stuff which you know is great for the pundits like us that that earn a living from discussing and uh, talking about uh, gossip but i've got to say like i think it's i mean there was um there was a moral indignation, an, a, a, an outrage that you're not characterising now that happened between the first post and the second. People were really pissed. Yeah, and then someone pointed out, well, basically people pointed out that, well, hang on, maybe he's not referring to the people that are using the cameras, but maybe the people that are making them. Look, and I still stick to my guns that, that even if he's talking about Canon, Canon have nothing to be embarrassed about here. They've created a, the same revolution that Red did, and I've got, they've got nothing to be embarrassed about. You know, they've created, they've given a new function to a camera that wasn't necessarily, you know, designed for it, um, and, you know, given a whole bunch of people a reason, like me, a reason to get out of bed in the morning. You know, I've, I've dragged myself out. This camera, okay, has made me get out of my bed, and I like my bed, right, <laughs> before dawn and go and do, keep doing these little sea pool shorts and keep wanting to do this docker. It's inspired me to go and do things, and I can do it by myself. I can get out of bed. If, you know, if the weather's fine, oh, what the hell, I'll get out. I don't have to mobilise a whole troops and load my car for 20 minutes. I'll just pick up a backpack and go and, and bring home images. That, that, that sea pool thing, right? 40, like 40,000 views on Vimeo now. It's like 1,000 people have liked it. It's like, you know, I'm not blowing my own it's trumpet no, now. But, I, but, I but, blew but, your trumpet. But, it was good. But I, can, but it, I went out and got off my butt because the results made me want to do it. You know what I mean? Sure. Well, I'm going to Not also, because people... Okay. Well, no, that's true. I, I guess my point, I'm going to make it, is that the 5D is being used for um, some really great aspects, yes. but it is not... Uh, professional workhorse piece of kit when i said this publicly you said well i think actually what you said when i said that was <laughs> was something a little less um kind of robust uh, yes but anyway um, I, I i'm hesitating to actually quote you back at you off your um, you off your twitter feed just point to it okay <laughs> but, but anyway um my point is this that it isn't professional gear because of the following reasons it doesn't have time code you can't sync cameras it doesn't have good audio doesn't have good audio monitoring doesn't have good ability to have a workflow that is in any way in sync with the rest of the industry absolutely i mean time code if i said to you i was going to produce a professional video camera that didn't have time code you should stop me there before i even get to 8-bit mpeg compressed line dropping now having said all of that I've, I've got a 5D. I, I think it's a really good camera. I love it. I love what filmmakers do with it. Yep. I just don't think it's a professional filmmaking tool. What it is, 
is an opportunity for professional filmmakers to get their hands on a large sensor and do some really interesting stuff with it. Yeah, it has some. Un- okay, it is a professional tool. I'm a professional tool, and I use it. Okay, it is a professional. Okay, it's, it's not. not it's, it's not, not professional. professional. It doesn't. It's not. But just because a professional uses it, it profession- doesn't un- make it professional. It has some unprofessional drawbacks. But these are they're, they're designed by them. products. No, seriously. Like if I said to you, okay, and I made this point on Twitter as well, right? If I said to you that someone came up with a seventy-five thousand dollars camera, okay. That A would only record for about like ten minutes and then just stop. Yep. B would have horrendous compression problems in certain circumstances, have audio problems, yep. wouldn't have time code, yep. couldn't be sunk, yep. that wouldn't be able to work with without specialist bits of software. All of these things, you'd say, Well, that's a piece of crap. But it isn't that price, it's cheaper. But just making something cheaper doesn't make it professional. What it makes sure. it is affordable. And I agree that it's a totally affordable camera. Okay. I agree it's a good camera. I and I think it's a marvelous camera. I just don't think it's a professional bit of kit yet. Okay. Well, okay. Why am I using it? Because I can't buy a fucking Epic yet. Okay. 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 Well, now I, I understand your frustration with not being able to buy an Epic okay. yet. Well, actually, even if I, I've, I actually even probably Twitter if there was an, even if there was an Epic, I was going to say I was gonna if there was a standard thirty-five Epic out, I probably wouldn't, wouldn't buy it. I still either, go and get yeah. the five D Mark II because it's full frame. Okay. Now, however, if, if Red, as soon as Red makes a full frame camera. Then we're talking. Well, and this is not a problem with Red, and this is not a problem with, with, with anything they've done. It's just the fact that I'm now spoilt, having touched f- full frame and seen what it can do and being totally in love with the imagery from full frame, is that I don't now want to go backwards. Now, I just got, as you, fin- as you know, I was away last week and shot, I've just finished a national campaign, shot around Australia, three units, six cameras, all taking 5Ds because this stupid director said, hey, perhaps this is a good idea. That, that would be you. I guess. <laughs> Okay, and it was perfectly, it was absolutely perfect for what we wanted to do. Jump out of the car, excuse me, sir, grab someone, talk to them, have beautiful, nice, simple results, shooting double system, so the sound wasn't an issue, okay, pluralizing this stuff, um, and it was terrific. We could, everything could fit in a small case, all the stuff I said last episode. You know, I just can't do that with Red. I just couldn't do, if, I could certainly probably do it with an EX3, but the images wouldn't look great. The creative director himself said it takes a lot of skill to make this look this bad. Not this bad. That's not right. He didn't say that. It, to make it look this natural. And I think it's this full, it's, I think the images that we got looked really great because of the full frame look. I could set up a shot and have make the find the right natural light and make it look great quickly without lights just a right just a nice lens choice okay Uh, so so i I totally agree with you that the campaign that you did was a professional b looked good c made the former prime minister cry okay yes Yes. because as we're recording this the the government has just changed in australia that's when our country run completely by women from the premier to the governor general to the prime minister and the first thing that new prime minister (laughs) did was decide to cancel your advertising by cancelling the government's advertising and challenging the mining industry that you'd made the ads for to do the same that was the first thing she she did did. literally Literally said said, okay now this because okay i'll I'll go a step further and say that the effectiveness of your ad campaign brought down the government because it was the effectiveness of your campaign that caused the government to say we are getting into such a hole over our decision to fight the miners the miners are fighting back so effectively yep. winning the hearts and minds with 5d cameras My, directed by jason wingrove that that we need to change the government head in other words the prime minister and we're going to get somebody else in because then they can backtrack and solve the problem with the miners and the first thing she did was try and neutralize your ads because they were so effective yeah we'll stop spending our 100 million 
of crappy ads if you stop making your whatever 37 million of, of good ads yeah and so I'm not making it up the first I'm not, I'm not making this up guys. I'm taking the, the first piss thing, you know what I mean. well you're taking the piss That's but the first thing she did as Prime Minister leader of the country was to address your ad campaign I mean that's it like, yeah. like full stop that's the number one thing she did yeah so you should feel good so, about that absolutely okay so there's no doubt that the 5G can make good <laughs> effective powerful make the Prime Minister cry images right <laughs> my only thing is that it's uh, it's an overreaction to get upset because somebody points out that the good quality images that you're getting are not made with the ease of all the normal professional tools that would go along with it. Well, it was, first of all, it was a snipe. It was perceived as, incorrectly, as a snipe at the people using it. And that's, yeah. I took that personally, partly because I took it personally, but partly because I respect Jim and what he did. And all of a sudden, when somebody who you respect suddenly sort of, you know, almost sort of basically just ha- has a go at quite a lot of his... Um, people who you know not only red owners but also use these cameras as well. Um, I just sort of took it a bit. Took yeah, it a bit, I mean, took it a bit. We all, lots of people took it to heart. Lots, lots of people took did. it to heart. I, not I, just me, blogs. No, you know, I know. tons but of I'm, people. I, yeah, okay. I'm not one of them because I personally just agreed with him. I mean, I agree with him, and I, I I could understand how people could get upset. Don't get me wrong, I totally understand that. But by the same token, being a happy 5D and red owner and using whatever tool is right for the job, absolutely. I totally and look and I think this is the point now. I don't think anyone you or anyone's going to argue with this. If Canon or Red came out with a full sensor professional camera, we'd use that. Absolutely, because I'm using not, it because it's there. It's perfectly, absolutely the right tool for that particular job right now. And, and but with, it's not even like with the, the givens, ultimate tool. No, even with the givens, I would all of the problems that we've been crapping on about five D as well now for for a year plus. I still think it's still. If I was still going to go tomorrow, I still would still choose. I'm very happy with the results. I could come back with images which were 90 percent there, okay. just a little tickle in the grade. Everybody loves the images. Okay, so let me just take devil's advocate position. Line for a skipping. Second, right? The other side of the, I didn't yeah, see any oh, line Come on, issue. if it gives a fuck, everybody gives a fuck about the line skipping. There's, n- but but here's the I thing, didn't right? See any. <laughs> if you're aware of it, you just kind of. I've never, never once. The most stuff I've seen is probably the odd Jello cam when I'm moving my camera around to. I hadn't to, even got to Jello cam <laughs> and the other problems. Um, and the, and the audio and the, and the, yeah. No, know, look, anyway. problems. But no. I'm, here's the thing, right? I, I'm going to say this: if you were a person, not saying an individual, but let's say you were a person who was making a high-quality camera at Red, yes. wouldn't you get just like a little ticked off with people getting on podcasts and on blogs and places and going off about how hard the bloody workflow is with Red when sure. they give you free Absolutely. software to make it work Absolutely. at 4.5K and then somebody else comes out with something that you have to buy third-party software even to try and get the audio to sync because it's impossible and the audio that doesn't work That's properly. That's my problem. <laughs> and I'm you just can't, there to make me look you good. Got time make the images you have all look these great. And they're like, oh, but it's great. It's fine. It's all good. Now, you, your free software that you're giving me for nothing that will do all this other stuff, I'm a fucking piece of shit. But this, that I have to go out and buy third party, you know, if Pluralize wasn't around, you'd be cactus. But nobody complains about it. They have to pay for bloody Pluralize. You don't have to pay for any of the red software. It's oh, I might free. have to get a slate out like the old days. Holy crap. And uh, an editor might have to actually freaking sync it. Oh, my God. Post people whinging out, oh, I can't, you know. We're going to pluralize. It takes forever, or or I think pluralize is great. I think it's totally great. But my point is that wouldn't you be a little ticked if you were being criticised over workflow in and you worked for Red when the workflow for the five D is not without its own issues? Of course. 
and they're getting a free pass. And I'll tell you why they're getting a free pass. We, it's no, no, seriously, and I'm not having. I'm not. This is not a pro or anti-red thing. It's what red lost was the expectation management problem. They'd set expectations, and they'd. Canon doesn't do that. Canon just shuts up, sure. right? Because Canon promises nothing until you get it. And so you feel like you're tricking Canon cameras into giving you amazing stuff, and so that makes you feel good. Whereas red, you feel like, well, they're brilliant. So if, if I have any problems there, then I'm kind of complaining because I expected it to, you know, part the Red Sea and and make a good cup of tea before it was Look, finished. We have said many times on this the amount of times that we've we've done an episode about what uh, what version number of software or red cine x is out and literally in between between episodes it's been revised five times and, and, and the amount of people that are there working behind the scenes getting and improving and improving and improving and streamlining this software it's fantastic we've got nothing no nothing you know negative to say about that at all i i i have no issues with, with I mean, red whatsoever this let's is say not i'm a, about to go and buy a 5d right now this is not I a red no, thing this is this okay, is, but if i was about to go and buy a 5d right now today yep i have no idea what the roadmap is for canon none yep. i have no idea whether i lay down my my two and a half grand for a 5d that next week there won't be a 3d that records raw I have no idea because there's no roadmap. But you can't ra- count on the red roadmap either. Well, no offence to red, you, but you, can't you know, count on the schedule. Well, I don't think well, obviously we'll touch on that later. Obviously, but but well, I'm just saying is even that there are with, problems both ways. But even with open doors and you know open schedule, we still you still can't count on on uh, something coming when it's planned to be coming, can it? No, I'm just saying that there are there are pros and cons. And so you know, what you've what you've got now is. The shutters are coming down on talking about future stuff. So my question to you see is... that one. I believe that when I see it. Oh, so you think that, that they're not... Because there was actually an occasion uh, once before that Jim actually walked away from Red User and then came yep. back. Do you yeah. think he'll do that again? Absolutely. Okay. I think. I'd like to, I'd like to think so. I mean, we, we enjoy this open two-way street, which is what made... It's what's made Red who they are so far. It's what made the gear... It's what, what has made the gear where it is now you know it's because of interaction because of people like you feeding back and and everyone every all the users out there being able to get their info back to people i, I think it's that that's vital um when they release something even before, you know, or announce something there's often that because we know it's coming there's a lot of chance in that lead time for people to say what about what about what about and how many times you've read you know jim saying hey, great idea we'll look into it great idea they're not bringing the shutters down on communicating with uh, potential or actual users. They're just bringing the shutters down on, on uh, what they're uh, going to do when. Yeah. Look, I just... This, that's, too, that's too completely different. That's just kind of like throwing the baby out of the bathwater just because they say one missed comment, one negative comment. Maybe they should just stop doing negative comments about other people's cameras and just get on with their cameras. Well, okay. I, okay we but we I, love the two-way yeah, street no, with them. Well, we love no, hang that. Hang on, but okay? just back up for a second. I understand that here. I've heard it from other people. My comment would be, well, uh, they're not that they're not getting on with other cameras. <laughs> yeah, no. You know well, what I mean? But, yeah, no, I know what you're saying. But I do think that there is a bit of a... I thought, I thought, and I bet you I'm not alone in this, if you were... That there was a bit of a covenant between the red community and the red employees, which was basically like, we'll be really open and honest with you and blunt. Yeah. And when that bluntness got to the edge of the envelope, clearly because it upset people. I'm sure they didn't want to piss off people. I mean, there's no company that would deliberately want to piss off its user base. Um, everyone was outraged, and so they pulled it back. But my point is that 
in fear of hitting that edge is what keeps most companies a million miles away from being open with their customers. Sure. And so my question, and I guess it's semi-rhetorical, is are we better off in having a company that steers so far away from crossing the line that it doesn't show you what it's doing or are you willing to be entering into a dialogue with a company in a mature or sensible fashion knowing that at times they're going to say blunt things? Because, I mean, you know, I say things all the goddamn time that in hindsight probably a bit too blunt, a bit too... You know, and I kind of apologize for them. But, sure. you know, I, I can't have the dialogue if I'm constantly checking myself yeah. on every sentence. Sure. Well, look, I'd like to think it's, it's not so. I think that would be a major change to the whole DNA of, of Red if they just sort of, you know, just kept storm about stuff until, until it was out. But I guess it would stop us being disappointed about uh, missed deadlines if we didn't know the deadline. Okay, which, which gets us to the next point, which is that this was all... Um, I think probably in the shadow of some actual self-inflicted disappointment on delays inside Red. I mean, they were just themselves suffering at that time because of uh, delays that are clearly, from what they've said, beyond their control and not due to anything but your classic, there's a bug in the, a ghost in the machine, we can't figure out what it is and uh, we're trying to solve it and that's delaying our releases. Yeah, so... um let me just get to this. So prior to this announcement, in case you guys missed it, because it was really dwarfed by this second announcement, they yeah. did just basically say, Red has a problem. We don't know when we'll fix it. It might be this week. It might be two weeks from now. We just don't know. But we have a team. I think they actually named how many people were on it. It was something astonishing, like 20 or 30. Or um, They've put about 20 people on, into a SWAT team, and they're working 24-7 to solve this. So this has apparently been hanging around for a couple of months. This, there's a major bug in the DSMC firmware, and it's held them up for a couple of months, and it's not dead yet. They don't know whether they're going to be able to kill it tomorrow or solve it in, in a month's time. But basically, put another 20 people on to uh, kill it, and uh, it's an indefinite delay, really. So, um, you know, really, who knows? Um, that obviously affects Epic and Scarlet. Uh, however, Scarlet has a much bigger issue. Foxconn is... Uh, one of the hugest manufacturers of this kind of gear and DSMC and... Um, now, it's not actually confirmed that it's Foxconn. It's just a Well, no, guess, we're sort right? of presuming so. But this is the theory, is that Foxconn's got manufacturers in China... They just say that's how sued. Sure, over <laughs> like 300,000 workers in China alone, 800,000 worldwide. Uh, they do the largest tech contracts in the world, like the 3 million iPads, being able to pump out 3 million iPads in three months. PS3s, Wii's, Xboxes, Kindles, all this sort of stuff. Um, so and these factories were ma- where Scarlet was meant to uh, be manufactured, obviously, because we've said many times on, on this podcast, wow, there's going to be such demand for Scarlet. We, it can't possibly be manufactured the same way that, that red ones were, which was this handmade, mm-hmm. you know, yep. made with care, Swiss watch kind of stuff. It has to be, you know, this is... Um, Consumer electronics yeah, type ex- exactly. builds, yep. But, you know, the kind of Apple kind of stuff, which is really high precision, sure. very high, highly technical, yep. high tolerances and very um, and huge numbers. So uh, it looks like due to, you know, the bad press with um, the Apple suicides. Um, well, uh, Apple suicides. Suicides at the fact Suicides at, at the Foxconn Which factory. I should also point out... Yeah, it's really Steve, a load of crap, really, anyway. Well, Steve Jobs, yeah, pointed out that the suicide rate at this, let's face it, city, yeah. 
uh, is actually still lower than the average for an American city. Yeah, that's anyway, right. Yeah. I, yeah. Not to take oh, totally. anything away from how horrendous it totally. is to have suicide. Oh, absolutely. Look, absolutely. Um, and uh, basically, there it looks like there's a restructuring within Foxconn where they're going to basically close a lot of their Chinese factories, relocate them to re- relocate a lot of the contracts to new new factories being built in Taiwan, which is almost totally roboticized, uh, almost virtually no workers, which that, that gets rid of the problem, doesn't it? <laughs> Let's just make a 300,000 people uh, redundant. Anyway, so... Uh, How many more people can you offend this show? <laughs> God. Oh, now I've offended the entire board of Foxconn. Well, I was actually okay. thinking more about the Chinese population of the <laughs> of the English speaking world, but yeah, maybe no, I'm, look, well, maybe it's, just, it's just no, it's just a, rid- a, rid- it's a ridiculous, ridiculous concept. Let's you know, let okay, in, but- in order to avoid all this bad press, let's take the human element out of it. Yeah, okay. So, so anyway, so obviously that there's uh, complete change into potential uh, manufacturing areas where where scarlets can be made. So they've been hoping in the in the in the meantime to try and find a new manufacturing partner to do Scarlet, and obviously at this stage that hasn't really happened. So to date, it's uh, a bit of a piece of string as to when we're going to see Scarlet. There is no... Even if they find a manufacturing partner tomorrow, I can't see Scarlet, you know, appearing for another maybe 18 months or a year or so. I can't see how we're going to see Scarlet, you know, materialising before, almost DOA before it's even born. It's kind of sad, really. That sounds very negative, but you know, I mean, uh, uh, but how long is it going to take to ramp? If you find a new partner to ramp this up, it must be an absolutely huge, huge thing. Obviously, you've got plans, you've got dyes, you've got, you know, all of the CNC plans, and you know, it can't take that long. But still, a whole factory has to be retooled to do it. It's it's a massive, massive effort. Production lines, production lines, set up for it. But these these, I mean, you know, you would if it was eighteen months, you couldn't do a cycle on a, you know, product like an iPad or an iPhone. In under that, and you can do it in a lot less than that. And I think it'd yeah. be, I think it, three to six months is a, eighteen months. I think is kind of a bit, you know, because not just it's, it's, you know, it's like building. It's it's not just an iPad kind of stuff. We're dealing with optics and, uh, well, you know, but you know the thing about serious it, yeah, stuff but, in there. Look, I totally agree with you, but it's not like you're having to design all that stuff from scratch. It's not like you you had a somebody, you know, I don't know, melt down the thing and delete everything it's just that you the equipment that was going to be set up to do it i mean the a lot of this is computer controlled stuff you give it new files it handles it i mean it's not like it's you know some guy has to learn how to make it again from scratch having said that there's an element of that i guess but um no i think three to six months is a is a more realistic manufacturing time frame given that you know with rapid prototyping and just the demands of of consumerism these days that's what you kind of sure. gear for but i'm i'm speaking out my ass because i don't actually have any no, idea I, the I, I have no idea they could they could you could you could give someone plans for an ipad tomorrow and they could start manufacturing manufacturing in a week we've no idea as you say i'm too speaking out of my ass it's stereo uh but but <laughs> i'm just so the, stereo now, well, if you think picture of, for that <laughs> mental image <laughs> But think about, thank God this is actually a mono podcast. Yes. Uh, so think about, I mean, 5D Mark II came out yeah. September 2008. So yeah. it's getting on a bit. They're even still hard to get. And Canon had to build whole new factories to to make them. So it's been out for a while, 5D Mark III or whatever it would be. And, you know, their next 5D inspired or powered um Video video camera, for more more sort of video format camera, I guess. Um, XL1 kind of uh, the next breed of that sort of stuff. 
I mean, it I has think, to be close to around the corner. I, I, and no, it has I, to be. Well, I think the one that's next close around the corner is Nikon coming out with a raw recorder. Yeah. I, I just think that Nikon has to get back in the game, and yeah. I just can't imagine. They know that. They yeah. know that. Everybody knows that. And they, the one place you'd go for is that because their video is in, vastly inferior. But if yeah. you came out with raw, wouldn't it turn its, you know. I mean, if Nikon oh. is not a big enough company that they can no. make Compared everything. No, to Canon, that's it's a not good that bet. big. Yeah, I mean, they've, I guess they've, they've still got a lot of other, you know, all their medical imaging and scientific imaging and, and industrial stuff. They've got a lot of fingers and a lot of pies. They can still turn around and um, produce something. I mean, it's not all, oh, we're talking about different codecs, really, is the difference. I mean, they've got full frame cameras that are capable of, of, of doing what the Canon 5D does now. It's just the difference at the moment is, is just the codecs they choose. They have to, all they have to do is turn around and have less compression. And better, you know, and go with 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 um, um, motion JPEG or whatever, or or, or above. Um, what's the Adobe well, DNEG? Whatever. I'd it is. say go ProRes, but that's me. Yeah, um, yeah. But anyway, I'll just, it's just going to take a uh, just somebody to make that leap, and then all of a sudden, well, what, what's Canon working has in their favour is that we're seeing the sixty-four gig compact car flash cards, right? And so when we started, we were on eights and then sixteens. If somebody came out with a really high quality thirty-two or sixty-four, because mm. one of the big problems is you know that camera chassis, everything is built around a compact flash card. It's just not designed to have a hard drive in it. Since if somebody came out with a really high quality thirty-two or sixty-four, because mm. one of the big problems is you know that camera chassis, everything is built around a compact flash card. It's just not designed to have a hard drive in it. Yeah. And so if you could get a significantly decent sized flash card in there, you can now start recording reasonable amounts of time. And I don't think the community would mind if they had to swap a card every half an hour. You're at the P2 level, right? So that's fine. Um, yeah. But at yeah, eight half of this data rate is, is half of the, the limit that they've imposed on these cameras is, well, what, how much video can we pump through? In a constant feed to to cards to CF cards, it's the limit of the media they're going to is what's restricted. The it data is. Rates. I will just point out though, not to be sort of overly pedantic and an uber geek, but your paraphrasing that it's just a codec problem hides the fact that as you increase the bandwidth, the entire back plane and back half of the camera has to massively increase in what it has in terms of bus bandwidth. Um, buffers, just like yeah. a ton of stuff, right? Mm. So, yeah, so oh, it's not easy. I mean, so, I'm what sure. they were doing is they were kind of redirecting the thing that was going to the video screen to record to the card, which is useful, but it was everything was designed to output video to the video screen or maybe to the uh, HDMI output, but not to, you know, the kind of levels that uncompressed or close to uncompressed uh, is. I don't think they'll go completely compressed, but I do think. No. And I, look, I think, if honestly. You look at Alexa is a good That's what I was going to say, is, yeah. Is that good... is a classic case. And time and time again, I'm hearing people are adopting ProRes. Um, even if there's maybe a, a swing back from away from Final Cut to Avid and stuff, even Avid, of course, now in five supports. Yeah, um, most people are spitting it out. I mean, people like ProRes. Yeah, I mean, apart from the fact that if you're going to go to 4K, you know, you're going to go to a, a major spit out for cinema release, half the stuff that goes to air and is going out to. It's going to end up in bloody iTunes or cable TV or, um, you know, on a bloody... Um yeah, what you want is two options. You want an option on the camera that outputs raw, yep. but, hey, guys, let us deal with storage and don't you worry about it. Just give us a bloody yeah. great fat cable that we can, or a couple of them, that yeah. we can output to somewhere. And, okay, it may not be 4K, but it, if it was, like, less compressed 2K... Um, and it wasn't skipped to get there, and we'll worry about the discs. Don't worry about it. And then the second option is give me, like, ProRes um, and have that not 
sort of the 8-bit MPEG that we are now. So a higher level at, say, 2K or 1920 by 1080 and a less compressed 1920 by 1080. And, oh, by the way, for the love of God, don't make it 30p only on the output from the side of the camera. Make it, like, 24. Yeah, yeah come on. Oh, they have to have learned all that stuff. And I then mean, stick hopefully... some friggin' time code in there and... Uh, yeah some audio monitoring and a couple of other things. But you know what? I mean, I, I understand that you don't need to do all of this stuff to make it better. And I fully expect that this stuff will come. It's just that we're, you know, we're plagued by living in interesting times and we are yeah, not at the look, point where you go, absolutely. this is the only camera I'm ever going to need. There is no perfect camera. So there's no real perfect choice. At the moment, everyone's making a compromise. Yeah. Um, but but even look, even if you want to shoot, you know, Super 35 for digitally for, for a feature, you've got to make some sort of yeah. compromises. Tell, so, me, tell me what... Because we skipped over this when we were um, arguing before. What was your... I know you had a bunch of directors working with you, but what was your kit when you jumped out of that car doing your um, mining campaign? Uh, 5D Mark II, 20, Canon 24 to 70. 24 to 70, okay, yeah. A very ND on the front of it, so I can shoot wide open. Which one? Which one? Uh, the Lightcraft. Lightcraft, okay, yeah. Because that's what I have. Yep. Uh, I have some issues with that, which I'll have to go into at some stage uh and a zenheiser mke 400 the little teeny tiny little baby shotgun on top of the camera just to give ambience for um a good ambient feed for pluralized to latch onto right if we were going again tomorrow so I, but hang we'd on, skip follow that focus or what anything? uh i had a yeah the follow focus from uh genus uh, lent me their very nice really really nice pro pro focus which is still coming out yet to really hit their website and yet to hit, hit ground running but i think it is just gorgeous and totally beautifully engineered i had that and that is pretty much it i had a genius map box but i didn't bother using it because it was just and on, on the lens did you use that what i call cable tie um oh yes steering? the genus cable tie zip zip cord um did you use that yeah yeah that was terrific little cable tie thing that was terrific i really so want to I buy that. they'll bring they'll bring that out when the, when this follow focus hits town they've also got another couple of grades of follow focus as well which is coming out um but yeah so i had the 24 to 70 the genus follow focus their pro follow focus the little zip tie follow focus uh, focus gear um, the Sennheiser on the top. I had a little shoulder rig, which is you know, a little sort of nothing, nothing fancy, just a cheap eBay Korean knockoff of uh, Zakuto, and uh, a uh, yeah fader ND on the front of it. So literally, we just jump out, shoot. I had a flexi field that was all my lighting gear, and that was it. Jump out of the car, and then put it in a Pelican case and jump on a plane. And so you were shooting at twenty five frames a second. Shooting at twenty five, ten eighty p. And you would just swap out flash cards. What did you have in like a sixteen? We had sixteen gig. Yeah, the sixty megabytes a second uh, Sandisk uh, cards. Although I believe the the lower the lower quality cards are actually good too. Um, hang on a second. I'll tell you. I got to say the uh, the the thing that that was funny. Some of this gear is actually in last week's show notes, and uh, I, I think funny. Thing. If you ever look at the show notes, you'll know that uh, Jason normally does them. They're really great. And we have pictures of some of this gear. But I did the show notes last week, and the file's about 32 meg because I, I didn't realize while I was doing it that you must do something clever to get the image size uh, down. So I apologize about I just forgot to mention All uh, right. Yes, yes. So my, uh, my show notes from last week were considerably bigger than the normal shutters. Oh, I had lots of pickies in mine. I think it's 32 yes, megs too much. I think pages there's that reduced file size Yeah, I didn't function. click that button. So what did you have? Uh, so we used the Sandisk, Sandisk Ultra, um, the 60 megabytes a second, uh, 16 gig cards, and also the ones that we also use, which seem to work fine, which is the 30 megabytes a second 
I'm saying megabytes because that's what's written on it. Uh, yeah, SanDisk, SanDisk Ultra. And we just had a ton of those. We just bought an absolute ton of them and literally just posted them. We copied them off. Um, and then we. Got anyone to sell? And the, these are mine. <laughs> Give them to me. <laughs> this is my spoils from the war room. <laughs> Shh, don't tell anybody. Um, the. Um, and you were, w- and so we just literally we copy them off, and then we'd ship the original cards, just put in a post pack. We'd just send them off every couple of days back to my editors. Now um, he's got, and I've got a little quick little email from my editor. I quickly said, "Quickly, can you tell me what your workflow was? Are we interested in workflow?" Yes, I am. It's not really that kind of program, is it? We'll just skip. No, it is. It. I'm really am. I want to know. Joking. Uh, okay, so I'm just <laughs> my zip ties. I, okay. I like that thing. Go on. Um, so. I'm just give me a sec because I'm just okay. So while you're talking about just that, just regurgitating his email, but um, created an ALE via MetaCheater. Yes, I'm just re- doesn't make much sense to me. A- uh, but but doing this, I can give each clip a tape yeah. name that matched the original file name. Yes. Now he would have been cutting on Avid, but it was uh, pre MC5. It was. Yes, we weren't going to shoot. We weren't going to swap um, yeah. in the middle of the project. Because I, I think He's Abbott MC5 to to, to, deserves to its own show. It's so good. Definitely. Yeah. Well, once we've got um, we've moved over to five, we might have to sort of revisit that. But uh, yeah, we were on four because we didn't want to sort of change horses mid mid project. Sure. So obviously, give each each clip a tape name and that match the original file name. Then we batch imported uh, the ALE using DNxHD one eight five codec into Avid. Right. So, um, so there was no slates, so we just used Pluralized to sync the rushes through Final Cut Pro. So you must have had some pretty good, um, I don't know, filing systems or well, the labeling th- of the something. Cause well, I- labeling with the sound stuff was the trick. Was uh, one of the good tricks because I think uh, our sound recorder was uh, recording to uh, probably I think a, sa- a solid state recorder. So maybe like sound uh, sound devices, solid state recorder. Yeah. Uh, so he could actually once we finished each person's interview. Um, he would then enter their name. He would do like a within the within the machine. He could literally just punch in uh, their um, the person's name. So he could give the whole file for that particular uh, person a a file name. So it kind of matched up. Um, so he, that could match up the uh, the real name, I guess that um, that Danny was putting on the um, vision. Does that make sense? Yep. Uh, and then ex- if, if you just explain who Danny is that sorry Danny sense. Tate my editor yes uh, for this project and um, let's see what else exported wave files for Avid final edits were played out to HDSR then loaded into Flame for final supers and we did just a little tickle grade we literally did not have much time to do much else otherwise I probably would have spat the whole thing out and gone into um, um, base light or whatever and given it a bit of a grade but we just basically the images look pretty close so I just sort of tickle things up within in Flame and just final supers and out um, and of course the whole thing just gets spat out down to you know, a standard def and not even 1024 by 576. It's not, you know, it's anamorphic, so it's standard power res squeezed, you know, anamorphic mm. squeezed into a square power frame. And then it probably gets put on. Basically, what happens is 
as far as I know now with the TV stations, obviously everything just goes on media servers, just gets compressed into H.264 anyway. So whether it's going out on cable or going out live to air from, from stations, they all will now just simply just compress it into this boring H.264. Post houses are having a real battle with, with stations now that are basically just shitting on their really good work and they're do, you know, doing all the best things to get these, spit this stuff out really great and then it just gets sent to the stations and then they just compress it onto their servers and um, you know start putting all this artifacting and, and compression into it that was that is not necessary so it's a bit of an issue really so the whole thing of crapping on about line skipping and stuff that's terrific if you're going to shoot 4k di and start projecting start stuff that again but you know at the end of the day it just gets dumped on some server as h264 and you know it's no better than Okay, can I just make one comment and I'll leave it alone? Shit in, shit out. Like, you, you don't, that's no excuse. Oh, nice. Now you're insulting. Okay. No, I'm just yeah. saying there's just no I excuse. Be embarrassed. No, I'm not saying you're embarrassed. I'm just saying that there is no excuse to, uh, to say that just because someone's going to have a lower res at the end that it sure. means less demanding at the beginning necessarily. There are absolutely. some aspects of that that are true, but not all. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, sure. so that's cool. So, uh, um, so that was the quick rundown of that. Um, where were we? So, my, my my next question is: If you were doing it again, let's say like tomorrow, the yep. pharmaceutical companies were going to get a huge tax, and you were sent out to make uh, pro pharmaceutical yeah ads, which you know obviously would be <laughs> now that I'm free. <laughs> the interest of the pharmaceutical industry clearly is you can bring down entire governments. Absolutely. Um, would you do it again? the same way yes absolutely exactly the nothing same. on that that you went oh forgive us just again, actually audio wise the pluralized did not work for us partly because of the sheer amount of volume of stuff i mean it's terrific probably if you've got you know a card's worth of stuff on a one-man one-horse show but because we had uh, another two units shooting around the country at the same time and there was a massive amount of data coming in even with danny with his two assistants all all logging and um, digitizing stuff uh, all together it was still um, the pluralized thing sort of fell over really with the sheer mass of data that you um, it would have been better to what's that? I, I could see that yeah it would have been better to do a line feed from the sound mixer just sort of do a wireless mic through to the, the camera and feed in um, uh, a, a line feed from his from his mixer from the correct audio so that if um, because obviously we were shooting in like noisy environments and the difference between a really nice boom mic six inches away from someone's face or the little tiny pencil <laughs> mic on top of the camera five feet away was on, one was good enough to sync by but it was quite horribly un, un, yeah, sure. unlistenable uh, in, in an edit room so there's often lots of, lots of stuff that if I decided oh I've got this great shot I know where to go. I'll go we'd go find it we'd see it and then of course it would need to be plural we weren't pluralizing basically we weren't pluralizing entire batches of all of this footage we were sort of doing rough assemblies and then pluralizing and so did Danny them. have an editor sister work on this with you yeah because you must have had somebody you know, I was going to say data yeah wrangling. definitely definitely to, to data wrangle so look the only thing the only really thing I'd, I'd probably change would be to have uh, do a wireless wireless mic feed straight into the camera instead of do the little onboard mic purely because in a rush when we're trying to assemble footage it just meant that everything would have really good usable sound straight out of the card. Um, stuff's pretty sound. I mean, that's pretty much what you do with Red anyway at the moment. You'd, we'd, we'd On set, we'd, even with a double system mm-hmm. yep. shoot, we'd, yep, we'd, exactly we'd put did. a wireless mic on, on and pump it into the Red. Yep. So that's what we do. That's the only minor change. We thought, oh, great, it'll be no slates and everything. So we'd still have no slates. But um, I like slates. 
<laughs> and it might even probably, it probably <laughs> no, you didn't see Jason Rowley's eyes there <laughs> no I mean it would probably actually probably pluralize would probably have a much better chance of syncing stuff off if, if it's matching essentially the production audio from the production audio if you know what I mean versus production audio from um, almost two different mics so pretty much I would go straight out and straight out again same, okay. same deal loved it well Incredible. now we've got past our um ready to rumble intro and our rundown on your stuff shall we go back to the normal show for the last remaining can i just go back a little bit just about scarlet and just yes, say sir. that i still think scarlet even if like 5d mark 3 or whatever comes out scarlet still has a place because it's going to have huge frame rates it's going to be you know even though it's going to be two-thirds inch it's going to still be uh, obviously raw or or give you the options of uh, various grades of compression have uh, the massive frame rates that we're just not going to see in DSLRs for a long, long time. Okay, so there's, yeah, and there's a couple of points I'm going to make on that. Firstly, I think that people presume they know everything that Scarlet can do, and they don't. Um, yep. I'm not speaking from a confidentiality agreement. Yeah. But, and because I'm not speaking from a confidentiality agreement, let me just say this to you, right? And this is complete speculation. This has got nothing to do with fact. I'm not yep. tipping my hat and giving you a nod and a wink. But I was doing the maths for a background fundamental. Oh, I think it was for anyway for my red course. I think in um, nfxphd.com, and and in it I was working out what it would take to do HDR stuff. And I started doing the calculations. And uh, if you're doing bracketed shots and you do bracketed shots like say three stops apart, because we were doing tests on this, you get some really good high dynamic range stuff going. Not high dynamic range to the point of doing an image capture for doing CGI per se, but it's Definitely, you know, like you'll get, uh, we were shooting sunsets with three-stop spread and two-stop spread, and it was enough to see the buildings in the foreground and also get the great luscious kind of sunsetty stuff without blowing out. Mm. Okay, so so bear with me on this because it'll take a couple of seconds, but you'll mm-hmm. see where I'm going. Yep. Do the math, right? You want to have a shot like that have a 180-degree shutter. So that means that at 24 frames a second, you have to shoot the shot in a 20, uh, in a 48th. Okay, so you have to be shooting at 48 frames a second, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were... Now, what I'm going to suggest is, and it's got nothing to do with... I'm saying that Red's doing this, but if you look at a Canon camera, we've already ascertained that the ISO isn't just a linear line, that you know the ISO stays pretty much the same signal-to-noise ratio down the bottom, mm. and once it gets up past 800 ISO, whatever, it starts to change. Not like Red. Red is obviously in metadata. Okay, so why not take three shots... Yeah. In the one forty eighth of a second, so you want you've got a twenty fourth of a frame time available to you. Halve that to one forty eighth. Now, in the one forty eighth, you take three shots, but you take the three shots in that period with the shutter at three sixty degrees. The reason being that you want the motion blur of a shutter being open the whole of that time. Yes. And so there's motion blur in the darks. There's motion blurs in the mid, and there's motion blurs in the high. Of course, in some respects, you don't get the correct motion blur because you've lost some of the dark motion blur in the high and the high motion blur in the dark. But nevertheless, most of the motion blur is there because the camera literally was collecting photons for 1 48th of a second like it should be. But those three frames were fully open, and then those are bracketed, and then you combine them. And so you basically do a low pass, a mid pass, and a high pass. If that was the case... It's just sequential frames. Yeah, so it goes click, 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 right? But it does click, click, click nothing for the the rest of that 148th and then it goes again so it's like click 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 nothing click 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 nothing click Mm -hmm. click click but it's doing that like like it would if it was shooting 24 frames a second in other words 
24 frames a second, 180 degree shutter means that it's active for half of the 124th of a second. You with me? This is, yeah, theorizing okay. on the HDR I'm mode. Completely theorizing, yeah. So now that would require you to make a camera that would be able to run, drum roll please, at around 150 frames a second. If you could run at 150 frames a second, it would be possible to shoot three frames yep. in 148th of a second. Yep. And be and throw away the other. I mean, you could literally run at 150 frames a second, and you throw away every s- second cluster of three. So you keep yep. three, throw three away, yep. keep three, throw three away, and then as, if you could do some kind of gain or something that would get actually different exposures, because you can't vary, you can't vary the the lens probably fast enough in terms of aperture. And even if you did, you changed up the field, so you don't yep. do that. Yep. You can't change exposure time because that's dictated to by film rates. And you can't, in the current red one, change the ISO meaningfully. Yep. But you definitely could right. put some circuitry in there that did, just like Canon does with their sucker. Yeah. You would actually be able to shoot high dynamic range images with a ton of stuff with three consecutive shots. And yeah. normally when they have this discussion, it says, well, that wouldn't work because they'd blur between shots. But my argument is, well, it actually sure. does blur between shots because the sh- when it's open for a 48th of a second, that's yeah. how long it blurs for. And you're superimposing these, or you're so using you're a bit of a blend of these. Yep. Th- these on top of each things. other. So even though the motion blur is slightly in s- shot in slightly different part, you know, part of time. Yeah. So it would be possible together, because, yes, because at worst case, you would say, oh, I don't have enough motion blur, in which case you could eat back into the vacant other half of that 124th, that other bit of 148th that's not being used, and you could eat into that a bit if you felt you needed a bit more motion blur yeah. because if, you, if your bracketing thing causes the motion blur to look less than it should be, yeah. well, you've still got half of your exposure time per frame yeah. unused. And so there's a lot of stuff. And I'm not saying that Red is doing this. I'm just saying there's a lot of stuff there. It, you can get raw shooting at very high frame rates that you can do. So yeah. whether or not Red's doing that is by the by. My point is that uh, at the moment we're comparing apples with, we think, oranges. But what if those oranges are different than, than what we're expecting? And I don't think Red has finished with the actual implementation of cool things and and they've hinted at it but i think it's not marketing hype i think they're honestly doing some cool stuff and i don't mean to say that obviously you know scarlet's gonna i'm going to go back 100 retract my scarlet is dead before it's even born kind of statement because obviously it's it's just and i don't think there's anything that a dslr is going to do that that that's that, that is going to negate this you know that scarlet should be still produced there's the whole 3D thing, the fact that, you know, you can two-thirds inches perfectly is be, has been proven to be almost preferable than, than Super 35 for, for 3D. Okay, so that was my second point. Of Much yeah. smaller yeah. interocular with the bo- smaller body yep. size. You can bolt them straight together for side-by-side um, parallel. What do we call that? 3D? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the cameras no are... mirrorless, yeah. synced, side you know, by all, side, the, yep. all the electronic red lenses, the mini two-thirds-inch lenses all synced together for 3D shooting with none of these rigs and mirrors and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so there's a there's an absolute ton a ton of of um, and here's the other thing Cause, yeah because you absolutely Scarlet. can't get SLRs that close together yeah that's right but, and if you can people have done it but they run upside you have to bolt one upside down to do it and then obviously your yeah and also uh, there rolling is shutter goes the wrong way, way yes. and there's a million reasons why it's but, bad but rolling shutter is another reason I mean obviously rolling shutter isn't that good in a five D at the moment no um, though it's well it's not that bad Nikon is horrendous. But, but anyway, there's a lot of that stuff. But the other thing is you love the shallow depth of field look. But I would actually... That's it. If I can get the shallow depth in a small form factor... Well, I'm just going to point out that that is a look. 
You know what I mean? Like yep. there are filmmakers that don't go for that look. Sure, absolutely. And so there may there may be a bunch of people I don't know shooting sport or news or yep, a whole bunch absolutely. of other things that don't actually want. Yeah, look at you know like NFL films and those guys that that can can totally benefit. Imagine what like say a company like NFL Films, which I'm sure they've probably moved on from 16 mil a, a while ago, maybe not, but they have a million cameras running like a millions of feet. You know, at, at a thousand frames a second, shooting shooting um, a football game from every conceivable angle. Um, how awesome it would be for them to have this kind of you know 150 frames and uh, you know and and give it a not you know a look they're used to, but not not have to shoot film. And then there's an entire next generation after that, which falls into what we call the computational photography class, which is stuff that literally doesn't have the depth of field captured at the time of the image being taken. And this is all the stuff that's being published in SIDGRAPH papers, and there are working prototypes of these cameras, and you would dial in in post. And I know this sounds revolutionary, but, hey, didn't metadata on ISO seem revolutionary just a couple of years ago? You would dial in your depth of field in post. And so if you could shoot and you wouldn't have to pick your depth of field... Yes. What's that called? What's that system called? What? Sh- shooting uh, lots of different depths at once. It's a, it's a technique. Okay, but, but yep. in computational photography, there's a whole school of stuff to do with that and uh, deconvolution stuff. And if I go any further, I'll get emails with people complaining that I've used the wrong words. <laughs> ridiculous. But my point is that, that there's a bunch of stuff there that could render the concept of the shallow depth of field just being only able to be got by the yeah. large sensor with the yeah. 1.2 has yeah. less relevant. And uh, now that's not going to happen this week. It's not going to happen next week. It's probably not going to happen next year. But it's definitely coming because we've seen the prototypes and it is so incredibly valuable if you could actually determine where to place focus in post. Mm. And if that moved to being metadata, holy cow, that's a whole new game. I mean, can you imagine the soccer mum appeal of not getting focus wrong? <laughs> yes. I mean, really, it'll yeah, be get, awesome. Correct the focus later. Yeah, you just yeah. like on yeah. aperture, wind yeah, like the focus slider. to what you want. Where yeah, did you and want it. That, oh, damn! The, and there is so that much, lovely shot of Granny. There is so much money that would be to be made if you could crack that, which mm. is why people obviously are working on it. So mm. it's a real problem. Being mm. real sensible solutions and prototypes are being made. So anyway, there's a bunch of stuff coming. We're, we're very far off being at the point where you go, "Oh, that's it." I'll be happy with this one and I can retire. Mm. Hey, so we need to really do some other stuff because we'll yep, sure, waste sure. the whole show having yep. a good time. <laughs> um, so some gear, because I, you have some phenomenal gear in the gear bit. Uh, I have two bits. One sort of really a bit... De- well, both of these are a bit DSLR-ish. <laughs> one of them's pretty simple. And uh, actually, I first sort of saw this... And this is not radical or revolutionary, but I first saw actually Stu using one of these on your in, in Tokyo with you, um, shooting the DP course. The um, Gorillapod, I'm going to scroll, scroll oh, to yeah. there. Yeah, Joby Gorillapod. I've been using, just for my sea pool stuff, just because literally I've been heading out with my 50mm, 5D Mark II, a little variable ND, and one of these, and just it's just been fantastic. The Joby Gorillapod Focus, which is the larger metal one, but they've got out a nice new little ball head, the Ball Head X, which is really nice, precision, gorgeous little ball head. And I've just been, I've just got to feel like I've got to, got to mention it because it's been fantastic. I've been, it's, um, you know, one of those sort of spider mount tripod kind of things where you can just wrap the rubbery legs around things. I've been using it to. So it's their ball head? 
It's their ball head. And um, what, what makes their ball head different to anybody else's? Oh, it's just nothing really. Well, basically, it's, small it's, 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 it's small, it's compact, it's got a sort of a friction control. A lot of the ball heads, like the smaller Manfrotto stuff, it really just has a lever on-off. You have to get up quite big to have their, um, what they call hydrostatic ball. Yeah, I mean, I've got the Manfrotto one. Yeah, yeah, the bigger ones, which has got this sort of softer control. I don't know yeah. whether this is hydrostatic, but it literally it does have some sort of friction control because basically if you're trying to get horizons right or, or do that sort of fine control of stuff it's pretty hard to sort of you know if you've got an slr with a lens on it you unlock it and it's just flopping around and you you lock it and then it settles not quite right lock it and settle it's much nicer to have a much smoother sort of softer bit of friction control so and it's brilliantly beautifully made and so i just for that basically if you were to go and buy one of these little ball heads uh, from manfrotto it's going to cost you about three times as much so the uh, Gorilla Head focuses about the GorillaPod focus itself is about a couple of hundred bucks, and the ball heads maybe about a hundred dollars. So it's about a three hundred dollar thing. But I've been, you know, putting it right down did on the you deck. Buy that sink. locally, or did you get it? Yeah, I just bought it locally. It's available here, but um, available everywhere really. Yeah. But uh, I have a trip I, coming oh, up. I might. I might. Uh, here it is. Oh, I brought it with me. Oh, it's Sorry, a present. Oh, thanks, Jason. That's really <laughs> no, kind no, of you, no. man. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going away next have. week, and uh, you no, can take it with you on the yacht. Yep, you can take that with you. You can. What's great? I've been sort of wrapping it around. Um, like handrails around the pools, and then you can just spread all the legs out. And I've been sort of almost sitting it in, seriously, sitting it in the sea pools on nice horizon. You've been doing such a nice job with that. Oh, uh, but it's just so narrow much fun. I think the second one I think was one of my favourites you've ever done. And so can I just brought yeah, three of them now, uh, three or four, and I've got another couple more. But I mean, I'll, I'll start, I've got to start doing some actual people. Yes, because it's, it's well, you want, it you is want actually that. will actually not just be pretty pictures, but you can sort of do this and have a bit of a fake. Shoulder, um, this is good Jason for radio. Has, has turned it into what looks <laughs> you put like one a leg up on mark. your shoulder, and this is a bit of a Stu Mashwitz uh, nod to him. His fabulous uh, technique. Um, you can turn this into a bit of a shoulder rig, or you can just sort of almost sort of put two legs on your sort of stomach and so just you have, have a, like, a bit of a handheld rig. Jason having. <laughs> Having this is not going to be in the show. Carnal notes, knowledge okay? of a of a gorilla pod, you'd be pretty close. But I want to go. Well, look, as much as I love this, it's the other thing I want to talk about. We're running out of time. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, we just literally just saw this today, and uh, I'm in contact with them. We're going to try and get our hands on one of these. I can't wait. Uh, this is okay. Let's scroll to it. Uh, it's cube. called the Cube uh, from a company called Teradek, who basically uh, are like kings of. Um, high def over IP and distributing video over IP. Now, what they've done is uh, essentially a camera top um, HDMI or basically high def via Wi-Fi. Uh, so it's a Wi-Fi transmitter that will do HD. Now, uh, we're going to get our hands on one of these pretty soon, but it looks very, very impressive. Put HDMI or SDI into this thing and The, the only thing that worries me is at the moment is that the specs that I've seen for it, now you might be able to correct me because yes. I've only seen it, don't include 24p. N- no, uh, don't include 25. 25. They I think they have 20 60, 30 four. kind of numbers. Yeah, I think there's a... I think they do 24... I'd, I'd, they do do 24. 1080i, 1080i at 24. Um, oh, wait. So. They do 24 at 50. Mm. Yeah. Right. Well, we'll... We'll work it out. We'll dig a little one. deeper on that. But uh, basically, if you go to... Uh, but this is good because of the price. Because if this was like 50000 bucks, I wouldn't care. But yeah, so we've got this price thing again. I was looking at the price going, ooh, hmm, not sure about that. Look, it's two and a half grand. 
uh, as I say, it's it's still it's still yet to be released, and uh, it's it's like a month or so away. But we'll try and get one so, a hands on one in advance. So you think being able to encode the <laughs> signal from a remote camera and transmit, <laughs> transmit it, it through the air should be like free or like should be it's like, like it's like a oh, it's like everyone everything's amazing and nobody's happy. Have you seen yes. that video? Yes, I yes. Um, know exactly what you're talking exactly. about. Exactly, we're in the sky. You're sitting in a chair. chair. <laughs> <laughs> you mean to say you're transmitting high def over the air yeah. to an iPad yeah. or other and Wi-Fi just, equipped gear? You only got an iPad like the other week. Yeah. Okay. Because this is you know going to solve Which, a whole ton of issues one of the other shitty things about line skipping and not just the visual acquisition is the how you handle it on set with bloody uh, H, uh, dslrs hdmi as soon as you plug an hdmi cable in there goes your rear view finder if you've got a yes. z finder or something on the back forget it you can now no longer well, i'm glad it's you can now no longer no longer yes. view an image okay yes. <laughs> however so the idea is to have then an LCD around your camera somewhere on the top. However, HDMI is such a horribly um, uh, anti-copy protection piece of gear. It doesn't allow you to plug in more than one device. So if you plug in one HDMI device, you then can't split it. You can't. There's no most HDMI yeah, things in yeah. don't have an HDMI yeah, out. out. So the ability to be able to maybe have um, broadcast from this set. on top and then have your have your iPad or your uh, iPhone 4, which has a really nice, very crisp, uh, sharp new the, um, the render display, 350 DPI, DPI screen, yeah. which you theoretically you could pull focus off, no problem off that. Well, it's a little small to pull focus, my friend. Well, yes, true. Oh, I but think it's it a little bit bigger than the monitor on the back of the camera, and I've been doing okay off the back of that for a while. True, um, with but, a zoom button. But then, obviously, then to be able to route it through to Video Village without having multiple cables and HDMI Well, Video Village is going to be everyone sitting with their own iPads, right? Yes, that that's my dream. Okay. <laughs> hey, um, anyway, which, which so we'll, we'll dig a little bit deeper on that, but go to uh, Teradek, T-E-R-A-D-E-K, um, dot com and suss it out, and I will also we'll, we'll, we'll get we'll dig a little deeper on that and get back to you about that. We promised to do listener oh, questions, yes. so I'm going to we, say that we've segued really well into the first of those. If we were to discuss uh, one we got in from Roscoe, Roscoe Johns, who uh, asked us basically, um, and thanks for the kind comments about uh, how much you like the show, um, he basically had a question. He's going to be shooting some stuff in Australia. He wants to know what his options are um, because he's learning about 2398 instead of 24, and he wants to hear our opinion on 2398 versus 24. If you're doing stuff in Australia, what's the best frame rate to shoot at? It is a bit of a question. It's a, it's a good one. It stumps me. Um, well, the answer is this. It's really dependent on what your output is going to be. If you're going to go out to theatrical release then you're going to want to do 24 frames a second. It's the simplest thing. If you're editing with videotape in the mix, at some point you'll have to deal with the fact that videotape tends to like 25 and not 24 because, generally speaking, all Rush's formats would be on a DGS, uh, digibeta and that's going to be like a 25 inherently format. That being said, there's an enormous way now to avoid that by just doing everything data. So my inclination would be go data at 24 frames a second. If there is more than most of a most of the uh, focus is not on the cinema. I'd be doing 2398 because 2398 is is sort of perfect for running all of the HD stuff that you want to do. Everything set up well to do 2398 makes life really simple. Um, 24 is what's going to be at the cinema. The fact that it's in Australia only really comes into bear if you were doing something for Australian television and you wanted to go 25. There's only a 4% speed change between 25 and 24, and that's normally handled by just running the 24 at 25 frames a second and doing a 4% pitch correction to the audio that's absolutely standard practice 
so much so that I know editors in this country that will buy the American DVDs because a second of screen time is a second even if you've added 3-2 pull-down or adjusted it. Mm. Whereas in Australia, a second in the cinema may be a second minus 4% in, uh, in the television viewing. And they are offended by that because they find that that changes the timing of the edits. And I respect mm. them for caring about that. Yeah. But for an indie film, I'd be 23.98. For a major feature, I'd be 24 and I don't give a shit. And for um, doing stuff for Australian television, I'd be 25. Yeah. Uh, to give you... You know, for what it's worth, we shoot nearly everything we do here at 2398 um, at uh, FX PhD and FX Guide, and it works really, really well for us. Of course, 24 is a great format to go to NTSC and to PAL because the 24 to 25 is an easy conversion, the 24 to 30 is an easy conversion, and of course, when you are going to 30 NTSC, you are not actually going 30 because you're going at the version of 30 that's 29.98 because it's you know, we just round it up. Mm. Though in Australia, 25 is actually 25. So I don't know if that helps you, but I would definitely say go Dana, go 2398 if you're going for HD release. And you know what? If you're doing an indie film, a lot of releases are uh, done these days as HD projections, and those HD projectors are designed to take 2398 uh, as 24. But if you're going for a major feature and it's film, film, then shoot 24 because you want a frame to be a frame to be a frame. Yeah and deal with it that way. And there's also nothing wrong, by the way, with um, treating 2398 as a frame as a frame as a frame and avoiding any weird things. You just need to make sure audio's on board. It's always audio that gets uh, screwed in this um, in this system. Okay, what's our next question? Right. I'm trying well, to move you along because we're, we're just a, running late. A simple question. Well, I might bump some a couple of the more complicated questions that we got to, but equally fantastic to, to next next show perhaps. But a nice, nice simple one from uh, Grant Goss who said, uh, hey, guys, hey, two Ronnies. Uh, uh, he is a uh, long-haul truck driver, and he drives from Canada to the States every week, and he's just really after one lens – um, if you had to choose one sort of all-around a lens. Now, um, He's shooting this with a is 5D, for 5D, right? yeah. yeah. Now, because it's 5D, I would say, what would you say, Mike? I mean, my answer 50? is really similar to this. Yeah, it's a 50. 50 and, and literally yeah. the only decision is then between the 1.4 and the 1.2. Um, I would say that probably the 1.4... Well, put it this way. The first lens I bought as a prime was a 1.450. Yeah. And I never looked back. On the 5D, it's a really good... The 5D defines, of course, the field of view. And um, if we were talking about a 7D, that would be a slightly different answer. On my 7D, I got a 35mm prime. Uh, and I got the L series, so that's what, whether that is 1.4 or whatever. Is yeah, it, I think the thing uh, 1.4. 1.4, I think. Yeah. 1.4, 35mm, 1.4, yeah. I have not yet, though, Jace, I must admit I need to be talked off the ledge here, I have not yet bought the 51.2. Um, so my, my lenses are really simple. On the 5D, I have a 100mm, a uh, 20mm, and a 50mm. The 20mm I use for textures. It's a really nice lens, not too expensive, and it doesn't have much lens curvature. The 50 I is just the standard lens. I'll pull out of the bag. It'll have the 50 on there. And the 100 I keep in there because I quite often uh, want a longer lens if I'm not able to get close to action. And because I just have those three primes, uh, my bag isn't too heavy. Yeah. Outside that bag, I have two other lenses I use a lot. Uh, they're not my everyday lenses. It's an 8mm fisheye, which I use for HDRIs. And then I have the uh, 70 to 200 because it's the perfect lens for sports, uh, family events when you want to get really close in. And, you know, Jace, I think the thing I love about the 5D is uh, always trying to shoot with as, you know, as open as I can. And that 70 to 200 is uh, constant throughout 2.8. 
yeah. which is you know pretty bloody nice. I think particularly if you want to go and start doing video as well, obviously that constant going away from the kit lens, getting a constant zoom that's constant speed all the way through, which inevitably means um, a an L glass you know lens two point eight. The only other lens, if I would consider uh, other than the fifty. Uh, would be the 24 to 70 which i shot with now there's two schools of thought i guess now if i was going to go to just a regular thing like kids birthday party like every time i just go out and do the sea pool stuff i just take the 50 and i just know that i can shoot all morning or shoot all day with that and never really walk away with a whole bunch of shots that feel like they're too samey you know on the 5d that 50 is a perfect size for walking around you can get in quite tight you're getting quite wide and always have a nice nice look um if I was doing like stuff as I've been doing when I've been away, like interview stuff or where you've got to do quick quick changes from one size to another where you don't have time to sort of muck around, the 24 to 70 is really good. And at 2.8, I was actually surprised. I was really sort of being a bit of a, um, a bokeh um, slut and wanting to stay wide open, wide open, wide open. But 2.8 is perfectly – is really nice on the 24 to 70. Most of the time, you know, I was probably shooting around sort of 40s and – 50s and 60s anyway but it was it all looked really lovely and looked 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 look, look nice and it was you know it was very very um acceptable and so i guess there's there's two sort of scores of thought for a really small leave the house without something big and heavy in your camera and because that 50 1.4 is a lot lighter than that uh, yeah zoom. your 1.4 is that's the other thing the 1.4 is a really light it's quite a light lens and 1.2 is uh obviously it's got to be a bigger piece of glass got a lot of let, let a lot more light in so it's much heavier. It's you know it's a lot more but hefty, I, but still, I think it uh, bounces the camera up quite nicely for for, yeah, no, for video. Oh, they're so all, look, I think if you if you've got time on your hands, time to reframe, time to think about shots. There's also that psychological thing. I don't think Mike, where you. If you've got a 51 prime lens, is that psychology of walking around and finding the shot and thinking about it and I framing it That's totally versus true. just, oh, I need to be tighter, boom, zoom in. It's not necessarily lazy, but it's just a different psychology of, of, it, of if you put a 50 making on a shot. 5D, If you put a 50 on a 5D, that is a film score. I swear to God, like, I don't know anyone, and, and I think uh, Stu and I discussed this in the Japan um, SLR thing. It's mm. like it's a journey it takes you on of discovering and learning about photography. You will learn so much from a 50 on yeah. a 5D. Yeah. Uh, 50 on a Nikon would be the same, but we're going to be talking about 5D in this. It, it is just something that will teach you a world about composition and photography. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's astounding how much that is true. Yeah, absolutely. So, look, if. But what I was going to say, sorry, just to interrupt, is that that you picked up on a really important point there is that there's a big difference between shooting video and stills because when I shoot stills, I am always thinking to myself, well, I'll just can crop on this, you know. Yeah. But I can't crop on video. So, uh, Mm. John is, um, and I have been having a discussion about taking a lens because we're about to go on a shoot in America. And I said, oh, we should take the uh, 400. And. He was like, well, I've actually there's a there's a zoom that's I think seventy to four hundred, and I think we should take that. And I was like, for stills or for video for this? Well, this is it. This is at this point we're just discussing. And then he said, because it's video, and he was right because the thing about video is that the fifty on a still, well, you can just crop in and quite happily crop in and get something very equivalent to a seventy. And you wouldn't even know the difference because there's so much quality in the um, megapixels. Yeah. Yeah, but the Video takes whatever you do and reduces it to 1920 by 1080. So there is effectively almost no crop yeah. because no matter what you shoot, 
you're going to end up with 1920 by 1080. If you're spitting out to standard def, always finishing to standard def, you've got some crop value left behind. But but you know what I'm not, saying? Like not know it. My son plays um, Australian rules football yeah. here, and I shoot every Sunday. I shoot for not just for him and for us, but for the, for the team to give them. You know, they'll put yeah. them all up on the team's Facebook page. It's fantastic. Uh, with my 70 to 200, and the amount of crop you can do on that zoom, that zoom is so sharp that I've definitely pushed in surprisingly, like double, so, easily, so get a 400 mil, easily getting a 400 mil. What are you outputting? Uh, essentially, I'm doing like 1,000 by 800 JPEGs to right. what, what's my final thing? I mean, obviously, I'm bringing in the RAWs into Lightroom. But uh, for general distribution and to give to the team... But are you shooting video or stills? Sorry, this is stills. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sorry, sorry, sorry. I totally agree on stills. You're just cropped like crazy. Sorry, I missed that logic step. Um, yeah, definitely. I've I've made four hundred yeah, mil totally. easily, four hundred mil equivalent shots yep. pushed into double easily, and just yep. gone. Oh my god, this is just I can just keep going. Yep. It is utterly amazingly sharp lens that you can push, push, push. So um, for stills, yeah, you know, leave you the four hundred behind. And, and if you are shooting uh, either family, kids, or something that it's performance based, you know, there's a real problem with being intrusive. And I, I find also one of the other issues is when I put on, <laughs> I put on, uh, I shoot, I have girls, I've shoot nipple. Um, when I put on the 70 to 200, I've actually had parents stop me and say, uh, who are you with? Like, they think I'm some kind of, you know, journalist photographing kids or I hope they don't think I'm a weirdo. But yeah. they've, they've actually, like, oh, like asked me, like, you know, who are you or where are you from? Like, that's yeah. my daughter. Hi, yeah. darling. Especially when you put the lens hood on the front of the yeah. 70 to 200, which and it's adds, on a like, doubles the size. And, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like your paparazzi. And is that, you know, yeah. someone, is that Nicole Kidman's daughter out there or something? <laughs> no, 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 it's just I'm an overzealous father. But... That being said, when I come back from those uh, events and I've got the material, people go, oh, my God, you've captured the event. That I, mean, I did. A- oh, I just get such response from yeah. the parents. I can't tell you. It's been utterly fantastic. And the kids, it's been a great game. They all get on Facebook together. All the, all the kids get on the Facebook, look at the photos, comment, talk about it, and they talk about what they're doing at this particular shot. So it's been a fantastic tool. Anyway, this is turning into TWIP. Yes, no, but in terms of video, I think it's a it's a yeah, no, it's, so um, so that's, that's so I think the the it's not, consensus it's not is because we haven't been plugging any <laughs> drobos books. And shit. Um, okay, so fifty one point four. So another question. We've got time for another. Oh, uh, I don't know. You tell me. Yeah, we do. Okay, let's uh, do one that's really controversial. Okay, which one's that? <laughs> um, I'll stick you up an um, OLPF one. Oh, well, okay. we've done enough of that. we over that. Well, we probably do need to... No, I don't know. I haven't really read that one enough to uh, get back over it. I'll read it. Quick query. Because I hoped uh, that your rat holes on ND filters would lead to this point, the OLPF compensation in Red Alert seems to be kind of resharpening mechanism and a pretty nice one. I stumbled across this King 4K footage. Um, you'll find artifacts in the high-contrast edges, blah, blah, blah. Uh, consequently, I've always avoided OLPF, in my opinion, when converting to BPX, DPX for green screen and then resharpening the image once it was pulled, uh, you know, and comped. Would you recommend this procedure? Yes. Um, the, the, there's two things here. Yes, Firstly, no, the first thing, yes, OLPF compensation is, in fact, sharpening. And if you, if I could just plug a PhD for a second, because I, I really, this, I just can't avoid this, because we can devote a lot of time to testing stuff because that's our job. Like, 
PhD isn't like a hobby, like it's our day job. So we really test this stuff seriously. And there are some nasty artifacts you get in from the sharpening in any of the SDKs because in the last class, like last week's class nine of red, we did every conceivable button and we covered a ton of SDKs. I mean, we're talking Da Vinci's, um, uh, Autodesk, uh, After Effects, um, Scratch, like Red Alert, Red Rocket, Red Cine X. I mean, we're just like tons and tons of products we ran the same footage through and, and looked for artifacts and differences between them and then we looked at all the different settings and i've got to tell you on some of those different settings there is no mathematical difference there are literally settings we haven't got time to do all of this settings now. that don't do anything they really don't it's the they swear to god they don't do the machine that goes thing. ping yeah but but two that are really worth looking at is the sharpening which can be producing incredibly nasty artifacts and the opposite is denoise and after i did extensive testing on this i actually wrote an email to to uh, red saying i'd drink the bathwater whoever developed the algorithm for the denoise and uh, i think it was graham natris who wrote back saying well, i've actually emptied my bath but thanks for the compliment <laughs> but um yes if you haven't played with the denoise in the sdk the latest the newest sdk3 or the second version of the sdk that most people um, are aware of the new stuff that's come out the uh, the denoise in that is off the dial good, and I actually showed you something before we came oh, out. Right? It's uh, astonishingly great. Is it too late for people to sign up for that course for this term? Uh, Are you plugging something people can't get? Well, that's true, but we'll we'll be opening again in July first for the next term. Excellent, but that yeah, that's astounding astounding difference in that uh, the denoise, which is really doing something other than almost. It isn't. Be- yeah, well, sorry, you're absolutely right. It is, but it's doing it because it's working off a. A Bayard sensor patterned image, so it's actually effectively giving you incredible boosts to the blue while giving you a minor hit in the reds. It's a changing of the balance of the stuff. Call it denoise, and rightly because it does do that. But there are chromatic aberrations, there are um, just detail stuff, and so if you're doing some testing, it's really worth testing this uh, for high-end professional work, which is what we're testing for. Yeah, uh, playing with that. And, and I showed Jason because it really is astounding, the oh. difference. And, of course, if you were in FXPHD, Class 9, check it out because I go through it in, in really good depth with, um, with all the comparisons. So the upshot of that for David is that, yes, he's correct in avoiding OLPF compensation. But he might want to look at denoise because uh, that will improve things immensely, especially if it you've does, got blue screen footage. Utterly, yeah, exactly. It's doing some amazing things in some channels and other, completely different things in another channel. And full marks to, to Graham Natras for some outstanding programming because I think it's just incredible. Yeah. And it's really good. Um, I think that's probably all we've got time for, and this is another quick one. Uh, is there another quick one? Uh, no, I think we'll put we'll put a couple more into because we're. Uh, I, I did like somebody who actually went back and started listening to every uh, episode yeah. of uh, Red Center since day one. We actually get these emails every what month? Somebody will say, "I just discovered you," so I thought I'd go back and listen to everyone from the outset. Which immediately scared me because I can, can't imagine how incredibly out of date the first few episodes are. But basically, just said they were just as useful and fun as the first time around. Almost every episode is still totally relevant and full well, of information. Well, some good rat holes about crew and roles and stuff, which I mean, it really doesn't change. True. True, uh, hysterically funny trip down memory lane, reminding me of numerous things that have happened in his life over the last last few this years. This was um, this was Adam, right? Uh, Adam Heath yeah. uh, from Viva Creative uh, in, the, in UK. the UK. Yeah, so that was uh, really nice. Just someone just was there a thing. question to that? I don't know whether there was. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so look, uh, we want to uh, encourage you to send in. We do sometimes get people sending us um, questions, and we just answer them directly, and uh, other times we'll answer them on air. 
Um, we don't want to do just Q&A, but uh, obviously there are some things that are best done uh, through a discussion. And and the show works because you guys are so active and we appreciate it. Whenever we get things wrong, you also contribute. As we said in the past, we actually like that. We think that's good. Absolutely. And we're going to do a quick last uh, Twitter shout-out, Mike. Ah, yes. I want to do a shout-out. I don't even know if Greg listens, but Greg Downing, um, if you know Greg, tell him that I shouted him out. Uh, he's a photographer, but he's an image technology guy. He does a lot of really cool, super high-res um, work, and his company is actually worth checking out. It's xrez.com. Um, it's a studio, and if you actually were to go there and look at it, they've done some really interesting stuff with effectively like Gigapan type um, right. stuff. They've actually tested the Gigapan like stuff. Gigapixel panoramics. And yeah, but for effects work stuff. and other stuff. So right. it's um, it's really really interesting. But also work. It's just some just damn beautiful shots. As it well. is. Yeah. No, he's, he's a he's a really talented guy, and so um, I have been following him on Twitter. And he is Greg Downing. Uh, uh, Spelt twitter.com slash Greg Downing. Yes. Spells how it sounds. One G, two G. G R E G D O W N I N G. Yes, and uh, and go to their website because they have some really amazing stuff there. Just I've been doing a lot of HDR stuff myself lately, actually, just uh, bracketed stuff and uh, testing, and Excellent. I have been really enjoying it. And I I say that because I kind of got a bit funny there for a bit because people were saying things like I've never seen an HDRI image mapped picture that I liked. Yeah. Full stop. And I was like, yeah, I hate those really. Gla-. And then I thought, you know what? I, really I'm better pushed. than this. Because I was doing a lot of HDRs for tech stuff, but yeah, not for... not for fun or for art or whatever. Yeah, not for art, yeah. And, uh, oh, man, I've just been really enjoying getting back into doing relatively modestly tone-mapped um, stuff. And I'm talking about things like portraits and stuff, which um, I'm going to show Jason. we put one in the show notes. Um, but things that are tone-mapped uh, but not looking tone-mapped because I, I think that look is ghastly. quite like that uh, look. Yeah. It's awesome. Now, how do you think? See, that's the kind of thing you could do with the Scarlet HDR mode, if it had it. If it had it, which it may or may not. Well, I think they've talked. They've talked about HDR mode, well, not but not necessarily mode. that specifically that that way. See, so I'm just showing Jason yeah, my. That's homework. awesome. See, that's not overdone. It's not ghastly, is it? No, no not overdone. But you couldn't hold that. You couldn't hold the exposure. So anyway, we might talk about that in an upcoming. If you were interested in us hearing about that, I think we should cover it. What I'd love to work out a way is, video. I know that would be faking it, but um, when it com- I'd love to do some interesting technique with if, when it comes to like the interviews parts of my seapool stuff. I've seen some fantastic. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think who it is. There's a guy did uh, a wonderful series of almost stills portraits of, of people from like the seapool and from the icebergs and. Almost had a very nice HDR feel to it. And, uh, yeah, I'd be interested to see if we can almost somehow, even if it's with fakery or jiggery-pokery, apply that to the moving image because it's just something, obviously, you just don't see. So, anyway, we'll uh, have a bit of an HDR rat hole next time. Well, yes, I think I think HDR's on the edge of our brief because it's not, <laughs> uh, you know, filming... If it can be applied to production. somehow applied to, to yes. moving image. But let, let us know if you're interested in that or not. We certainly don't want to spend the majority of our time talking about straight photography, but um, no. they are related subjects, of course, and increased dynamic range is, I think, the number one thing that cinematographers would like to see in, uh, in video-slash-film-video-type cameras. Mm. Do you call them video cameras when they're, like, digital... I guess digital cameras is what I should say, digital acquisition. Yeah, yeah, I, just, yeah I try to avoid the video word. yeah. Digital film cameras. <laughs> Bit weird. Okay, guys, look, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, guys. And we'll for talk to you. putting up with the rants. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, I'm just going to need a, a, a rest now. Yeah, on the score for this week. Thanks um, for listening. Stuff on, 
If you have any questions or comments, please email us, red at fxguide.com. Copyright 2010, FX Guide, LLC.